you are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns with your host, Jeff Lloyd, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, guys, if you have that nice smart device in the house now, uh, you know, Alexa, Alexa, play Locked On Browns. She will fire up the latest episode for you guys. So, uh, you know, in a generation where we're just, you know, we have to work harder, but at least when we get home, we get to be lazier. Go ahead, take advantage of that option for you. Uh, we're going to go in tonight. It's, it's been a little bit of a while, and obviously everybody knows the guest was a fixture during the regular season. You know, we had our PFF nights. Um, you're joining tonight from Pro Football Focus, John Costco. John, uh, how's everything going? Uh, is the uh, Have we gotten to positive degree temperatures in Minnesota yet, or are we still hovered in the negatives? Well, I'm, I'm doing well, and it's actually two degrees as I look at my phone. Open the uh, pool and break out the barbecues. Yes, no kidding. It does feel like minus 19, though, and we have a winter storm warning in effect until uh, 9 o'clock tonight. And until also, April. I had a snowplow make a three-foot wall at the end of my driveway, so, you know, neither of my cars can get in or out right now. Well, you know, all right. So, uh, you know, get a rope and, you know, climb the wall, something of that nature, I guess. It'll be nice when the boys get older, John. It'll be nice when the boys get older, and you can just wave them out there. Exactly. That's what I need. They can do it right now, right? They'll they'll love it. (laughs) I mean, the snow might not end up being where you want it, but I'm sure they'll, you know, they'll try like heck, I guess, right? Right, exactly. Um, All right, uh, so today, uh, you know, the media availability. We got to meet our offensive coordinator. We got to meet our defensive coordinator our special teams coordinator, and look, I, you know, we, there was one thing, and, you know, before, I just wanted, I wanted him to speak on it, and look, he spoke on it, and he said what he had to say, and it was the answer you wanted to hear. Um, I'll never agree with what he said, and look, but look, it, it's, he, he, he addressed it, and he put the best statement to what he could. So for now, let's just, you know, leave that where it is. But John, your thoughts today, um, and it, it it's so weird to continuously go through phases with the Cleveland Browns where it's like, okay, good, positive day. I mean, normally, you know, these press conferences of any nature, oh, God, cross your fingers, God, nobody does anything. And, I mean, just fully, I mean, just nothing seems to change. Just, uh, you know, the positivity and keep moving forward. Yeah, so, I mean, anybody that listened to the conferences should come away and, uh, feeling good about Browns and their approach with the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams coordinator in terms of what the product that's going to be out on the field. And, you know, look at offense side first, Todd Munkin, um, what he was saying was fantastic. And there's something that, you know, um, you know, you talk about some of the best offensive minds in the country in terms of college and NFL have, have, you know, kind of done throughout their, their careers. And that's, you know, when you talk about balancing the NFL or just in football in general, it's not about a run-pass split. It's basically getting the ball to your playmakers and spreading it around. And um, that's what they did in Tampa Bay, and, you know, he talked about that. And that, that's kind of a principle of the air raid is, is it doesn't matter who's getting the ball as long as you're, you're explosive and you're making plays down the field and uh, scoring points. You know, you've heard Mike Leach talk about that. We've preached that at PFF as well. So uh, really great to hear um, you know, a Browns offensive coordinator talk about that and how they're, you know, going to be attacking the, the defenses and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and you talk about a lot about like he's, his is an air raid system or, you know, air Coriel is going to be matched with this. And, uh, you know, Freddie Kitchens comes from like the Bruce Arians slash Todd Haley and what's the type of offense it's going to be. And, you know, it's never going to be 
the same year to year. You always are evolving and stuff like that. And I think, you know, he talked about a lot about that. And I think everything that he had to say was really positive about that because everybody's going to come together with their own ideas and they're going to they're going to create the Cleveland Browns offense, which, you know, is going to have its own terminology and, and whatnot. And as long as it's it's centered around. You know, like the the, the offensive terminology in the, in the playbook for the New England Patriots is obviously centered around Tom Brady and what he does best. And they have that Earhart Perkins system, and um, it makes it so that you can essentially, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a running back that's, um, you know, split out wider, if the fullback split out wider, if it's actually your slot receiver that's split out wide, or, you know, the, who's playing the X, Y, Z, and all that stuff. It really doesn't matter. Anybody can play any position, and as long as you know the picture of what the scheme, the offensive scheme is, uh, the, the play can be run. And, and you saw that in the Super Bowl with the, with the Patriots, and we'll talk about that. But um, I think everything he had to say was great, and, you know, you talk about – the things that Steve Wilkes said, which is uh, the defensive side of it, he was talking about the, that you need more pass rushers and cornerbacks, and and he said, mo- you know, what was nice for, to hear from him was most importantly cornerbacks. So uh, you need to have better coverage and uh, to be able to win the NFL. And you know, and Pfeiffer, he's just been a fantastic special teams coordinator, and everybody wants in Minnesota wants to uh, wanted him out of here because he was, you know, I say here because I live in Minnesota, but. Uh, they wanted him out because the field goal unit was always under the microscope because they, you know, their field goal kickers a lot, miss a lot of field goals. And well, it's like that's only like a small percentage of what all the special teams do. And they, you know, they they don't get penalized. They're one of the best units at covering kicks, punts, and uh, blocking on on those and all those phases as well. So I, I, you're going to see a major major improvement in that unit. I think. Of all these hires, really seeing a, that much of improvement, which I can just guarantee you, Browns fans are going to be very excited about that because anybody that just watches them for a couple games and knows how bad the special teams was, that unit's going to be so much improved, and it's going to be a lot of that credit's going to go to him. Yeah, and well, and one of the advantages he's going to have though is you know with a roster that's going to be as good as it's going to be on game days, you're going to have a lot better football players playing on your special teams, and hey. No problem with that. And the thing with the kickers, look, I mean, you can coach the living hell out of them. You can do everything. I mean, and we've seen it. I mean, and you saw it in the Super Bowl, you know, two quality kickers, both with, you know, some shanks. You can't kick the ball for them. All you can do is talk them through the process. Um, And with Monken, um, you know, the RPOs, you know, he had mentioned that. Um, You know, something that, you know, if, if Freddie's interested in, he's interested in. Just another staple. And look, I don't think there's... There's not enough you can put on Baker's table where you're ever going to say, is it too much? And that's the advantage you had in drafting a 23-year-old rookie. And Baker's that guy. Dude, bring it. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. You know, put it on my plate. I don't care. Just another way to attack the beast. And, you know, and the thing I did like that Monken said was, you know, and this is kind of what we saw with Freddie. And, you know, I hate to use the kitchen's reference, but use every tool in the kitchen. You know, everybody's a weapon. Um, if you're on the field, there's a possibility you're going to get the ball, and this is what we saw over you know the you know the last seven games with Freddie. You know, if you got an eligible number, you're running around, you may get the ball. So you're not out here as a freaking decoy. You're here to play ball. Um, with Wilkes, the biggest key was you know, and I guess everybody wanted to hear it. Yes, it'll remain a four-man front. Miles um, Garrett would be wasted in an odd-man front unless you wanted to use him stand-up. But if you were going to do that, you almost had a you you almost needed an entire defensive line. So it was just com- confirmation of you know this is what's best suited here. 
Uh, I love the fact of more pass rushers because I, I'm with it. Um, you know, I, I like Avery. I like Smith in reserve roles. Um, but you're going to need a bookend to Miles Garrett. You want a bookend to Miles Garrett. If you've got a guy that great, go get a guy. And he doesn't. Ha- I mean, you're not going to find another Miles Garrett. But he doesn't have to be because he's going to be the bookend of Miles Garrett uh, and the corners. And maybe this makes some more sense, guys. And you know, I, every mock draft I see, I, I see By- Byron Murphy's name, and I shake my head. And it's not that I don't like Byron Murphy. I don't. I think he's a fantastic player. But it's more of, you know, I, I think there's other needs before corner. But look, a lot of this is going to shake out, and we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, look, another just another positive day, and we keep stringing them together here with the Cleveland Browns, is which it's just fantastic to see. Um, John, there was a Super Bowl played Sunday. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, there was a football game played. Super, maybe not be the word. Look, I mean, if you're old school, you like defense, there was a lot of it. it. I mean, and the thing was, it felt like there were times where it was about to pop. And, oh, man, here we go. It's going to, and then all of a sudden, just kind of fizzled. Um, I'd be stunned. Um, in my opinion, no doubt about it, the best player on that field on Sunday was Julian Edelman. Did anybody grade higher than Julian Edelman did on Sunday? No, he okay. was the highest graded player in that game. Um, and it so really PFF-wise, he, he won it there as well. Yeah, I mean, on the defensive side, you had a couple of players um, for the Patriots that did grade really well, but they were in smaller roles. Uh, Malcolm Brown actually played really well, but he only played 18 snaps. Um, Landon Roberts, you know, for anybody that played more than um, he was only 16 snaps, he graded out really well. But Jason McCourty, uh, you know, somebody that the Browns used to have, but wasn't good enough here. He was the uh, the top graded defender of anybody yes, play, that played enough. over 20 snaps, but he wasn't good enough for Greg Williams' system, and, and neither was Danny Shelton, who also played really well at an 82.1. Um, but no, he's not good not good enough for for Greg Williams' system. Um, the thing. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, Julian Edelman was, was fantastic. He was the highest graded um, player of anybody that played over, you know, 20 snaps in the game. Um, and it, and obviously I think you, you watch the game and, you you know, a lot of people are arguing for why it, why it wasn't Stephon Gilmore um, higher higher graded. And just be, he made some plays on defense, obviously, but he also, you know, he kind of did get away with defensive pass interference on that breakup to Brandon Cooks. He was grabbing his arm. Well, it was um, a savvy move, though. If you're going to grab an arm, grab the inside one. Sure, right? But, I mean, it's kind of luck if that's called or not. And so, like, we we take that in consideration when it comes to our grading. You know, he's not going to get the full, you know, the full pass breakup grade of, a, you know, say of a plus one on a, on a play such as that. But, um, you know, and, and on his interception, it would be great. He made a good play on the ball, but Obviously, it was badly underthrown, so it's not as 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 impressive of a play if it was more of an on-target throw, um, in you know with the the wide receiver you know in coverage or uh, in in phase and uh, close to getting that ball. So you know there's some of that to him, and other times where he was beat that uh, you know there was a wayward throw that it wasn't him breaking it up. But really, I mean, it was Julian Edelman that um, that kind of won this game for the Patriots uh, because of how well he played. Tom Brady was not at his, uh, you know, definitely played bad enough to lose that game. And if the Rams had done anything on offense, um, you know, and game plan for the Patriots instead of just running, I, I don't really know what they were really doing exactly. <laughs> they didn't They didn't even run, they didn't run their normal script, that which they do is, which is a lot of play action pass. They only had, had 11 times it was, you know, twenty twenty six percent of the time in the game, normally they're 
they're at 36 to 40 percent so it's it's interesting that how how this kind of played out that they uh they got away from what they get do best which is you know pass doing play action passes on early downs and uh running in out of 11 personnel they didn't they don't do they didn't do the normal stuff that they do so they played right into the patriots hands on you know and they really just didn't adjust and um yeah i think you when you listen to like the i think the nfl films had like their um you know mic'd up segments and basically sean mcveigh's on the sideline going listen we just have to execute you know get into a rhythm we got to do you know just do what we do and then we're gonna we're gonna get rolling and it's not that simple it's like you know when it's in the moment like that you i guess that's you kind of feel that but really like what it is is that like the patriots are taking away what you like to do and you need to adjust you need to have a plan b and a plan c and they didn't have that and and part of it like if you would ask bill belichick during the week hey if you guys only score 13 points on sunday what do you feel about your chances and bill would have told you we're gonna get our asses kicked yeah that's the way he felt um, Brandon Cooks, there's two ways to look at that play. Um, you either sell from the fact your left arm's being hooked. So you flip yourself, corkscrew yourself all the way around as much as you can to show everybody you got hooked. Or you say, you want to know what? With the way these refs have been calling things, i got to go make a play. I- I- I've got to try and catch this ball. Um, you know, To his credit, he tried to catch the ball. If he tried better you know, and, and spun himself around and tried to draw the flag... But you never know. And that's the problem these yeah. players have. They don't know if they're going to get the flag or not. So, I mean, I think at this point you're almost coached up. Just go make the play. We got no faith in the refs to make the right call. Right. I mean, you either you make, you make the play. You want a player that makes the play instead of becomes like an actor. No, you're but not, I mean, he's not Randy Moss. He's not six foot four. He's, he's a not, smaller guy, so it's a tough spot right. for him. Which is so like this is like when it comes down to do you need that number one wide receiver, right? So like obviously in that situation it would have been beneficial. You know, you talk about the two contested catch opportunities that he had in that game, two really quit critical catches. He didn't get both of them. You know, you you talk about the late throw by Goff on that post that he was on a busted coverage that McCordy came in and, and broke up. Um, you know, would would Julio Jones and New Hopkins get bring those down? Maybe, maybe not. It's, it's. I think on, you know, you have two opportunities right there. You're probably talking about Adam Thielen making that catch. Probably even Stephon Diggs making that catch. So like, you need these guys. You need guys to be able to to come down with one of those those passes. And yes, that was, you know, they were tough. But you're talking about NFL players, and you're talking about in the biggest stage of the, of your career essentially. And, you know, you got to be able to come down with one of them. He wasn't able to come down with both, and so it. Um, he's a good player, but I've never ever considered him to be a true number one, um, because you know he's a smaller guy and he doesn't make you know he he's not a the game changing type of player like that. And I think uh, you know top five wide receivers obviously coming down with one of those at least, and you know it it is what it is, right? So uh, also, if he was a you know true number one wide receiver, he wouldn't be on his third team in five years. So that that also goes along with it as well for Mr. Cooks. <laughs> yes, yes, this is true. Guys, Locked On Browns here. John Costco from Pro Football Focus joining us here. iTunes rating reviews. Guys, right now, five-star written review. Perfect time to go ahead and leave one of those for us. Uh, John, we got some good questions here, but actually, uh, you know, some of them, obviously, you know, some free agent-related ones. But I do want to get to this one first. Uh, my buddy Jack Duffin. Uh, guys, if you know Jack's part of, uh, you know, the Paul Brown podcast, um, 
He wanted to know, uh, well, it's actually a two-parter, but what percentage of snaps does a player need to get a defensive rank? Yeah, it's, it's roughly about 20 or 25%. I'm not sure if exactly which one it is, but okay. you look at, I mean, you look at it, the, um, they have to at least, it's usually, when you talk about that percentage, you're talking about close to 300 snaps in a year. Um, for like edge defenders this year, it was like about 287 or whatever. So it's roughly around that where they would they would be then become ranked. So I, I wonder I wonder what if he's looking at a certain player or players that he's looking at. Why aren't they have a don't they have a rank or something like that? But no, well, Jack's a loyal listener, and he and the funniest thing is this: Jack is wise with his caps. So we'll go to this, and that's actually because funny. This is the other part of his question was um, some sneaky possible free agents that carry, and this is where it kind of falls in together, some sneaky possible free agents who carry good PFF grades, but you know maybe it's because, obviously, you know, on a smaller sample size. All right, so... Um, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to mean defensive line here. I know, Jack. <laughs> yeah, and you want to talk about a guy like Henry Anderson from the New York Jets who was drafted by the uh, Indianapolis yep. Colts, kind of this bout. He was injured early on in his career, but... The guy that graded extremely well for us in college came into the NFL and, when healthy, has graded really well. Um, last year with the Jets, he you know he had a you know he completed his first 16 game season, uh, a grade of 76.5, very respectable. He had tw- 48 pressures, which is tw- tied for 12th in the NFL, um, and he made first contact on on 42 occasions, uh, the tied for 17th in the NFL. So he's a guy that. Uh, he's obviously got the size and, and, and length that you'd want. He can he could play uh, over the tackles. He can kick inside um, as well. So he's a guy that I think he would, he's going to come he's going to come cheap. And I think his his ability you know he's since he's come off his ACL injury he's played extremely well. And I think he's a guy that Browns could target. Obviously he's played in a you know, and he's played in both systems of a, of a four three and a three four. So um, he he can do he can do all that, and I think he'd be somebody that would be beneficial. Um, uh, I think for the Browns, and he's also young too, so you can get him for maybe a you know three year three year deal on really cheap and and have him around for a while. And also think about with a guy like him, he's never really played meaningful football, so here's a chance where you know hey you know look here's an attractive option, and uh, you might be playing more than just a 16 game slate. And you know, a chance for him to you know, put his name on there. And I, I do love the point that you said, because obviously you know, watching Jack Ames here this year, he was able to do things inside and out. And he is an intelligent enough player. And this is one thing I, I, I constantly preach, guys, and I hope you're listening to when I say it is, it's not always critical that a defensive lineman gets home. Look, sometimes you're going to get stunned. Sometimes somebody's going to get the better half of you. But if they do, get your damn hands up in the air. And Anderson, one of those guys, smart player, is capable of that type of stuff. So that's something you want to look for there. Um, now, as far as and look, I mean, you know, everybody wants to talk Grady Jarrett. Uh, you look, the Falcons are already cutting space. It, you know, it, it's and I'll tell you right now, guys, Grady Jarrett, even if he was available, he's a big old country boy. He ain't leaving the Southeast United States. This dude never wants to see snow. Um, you know, from what I've seen, lives with his mom. There was a reality show he was on part of. Uh, lives with his mom. She cooks for him. Really. Yeah, he was. He lived with his mom. He, well, let's put it this way: his mom lives with him. <laughs> let's put it. That oh, way. Let's, yeah. let's put it that right. way. But still, yeah. like as a, you know, I, I don't know how old he. Well, is. let me. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put it to you this way: uh, there probably could have been days that gone by in this house where he didn't see mom. That's how big it was. 
But they had like an they had like a an Englishman come on over and they like did a I think it was on USA and he visited all thirty two NFL teams and like he came to the stadium and then he went and met with a player and now here's this English guy and his mom serving down the collard greens the potato salad the fried and I'm sitting there just drooling my mouth off and I'm thinking to myself this is a dude who never ever wants to leave the southeast his entire life yeah that that does not sound like a guy that wants to leave the southeast but uh you know if, if somebody's come come comes calling for six years 100 mil i bet they he would he would take that yeah. now mom, would, mom can cook in northeast ohio yeah she she could um now is that somebody is that somebody that you want to pay that type of money to That's, i i don't know i mean like it's it's still an interior defensive lineman He's he is fantastic. Like he's, I think we ha- had him as right now. The PFF is putting out the the top one hundred and one, which is what we do uh, every off season, which takes player position value out of the question. So, uh, you know, quarterbacks aren't going to be just the top ten or whatever because they all are the most valuable. But it takes every consideration of of how they just performed and what you know what their grade and um, was. And he's a, like I think it was like. 11 maybe so 11 12 something like that so he's obviously a fantastic player so he hits the open market guys it's it's going to be a pretty pretty penny yeah so there's going to be a lot of um you know teams vying for his services uh obviously the browns have a lot of cap to be able to to make that work and if i I would be totally for it if they could do it in a team-friendly way but with a guy like that he's going to want to get all this money up front that it's going to you know, I mean, I guess if you if you you know, once the time that Baker has to get paid, you uh, are potentially letting him go. That's that's you know, if it's a three year guaranteed, and after after the fourth year where like dead money is no longer an issue, you know, that's one thing, right? So like, um, you know, I think if they can make it all work out, it's it's great. So, because um, he's fantastic, and he would immediately. I mean, you're talking about like, I com- I would com- com- could compare it to like a. Uh, you know, Philadelphia Eagles situation where they have Fletcher Cox inside where Grady Jarrett could be that is, you know, pretty much on par with that type of uh, quality of player. Uh, and you have Miles Garrett on the outside. And if you pair that with another edge rusher that can get after it and with Jannard Avery and you have a whole package of players that can really rush after the passer, uh, it could be really devastating for an offense. Yeah, I mean, it'd be fun, but and you know, just yeah. I go back to that show Wish and thinking, can. yeah, it, you know, this dude, you know, and the other thing is, there's always the lure of the state of Florida, where you know you are only paying Uncle Sam, you're not paying the state with which you live in, so that's always a, that's always a tough draw when the big money comes involved as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now here's one, um, you know, draft and free agent linebackers, and so and you guys, the the tackle numbers you guys put out this week, and missed, I'm sorry, missed tackle numbers, yeesh, first of all. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But um, linebackers, um, coverage is going to be an emphasis. Tackling is going to be an emphasis. If you want to name a free agent or two or a draft guy or two here and mix them all together, this is going to be a point of focus here. And a lot of it is going to be because if we want to be good, you're going to be facing 40 to 50 pass attempts because you assume you're going to be ahead a lot of these games. Yeah, exactly. So you need to have guys that can cover and do multiple things. You have, they have to be able to stop the run. Like, like you know, we always we've talked about it at PFF that stopping the run is a, probably the least important phase of offense and defense. But you still have to do it. Like it, it, you know, especially in situations where it's end of the game, you are down, and basically the team is trying to run out the clock. You have to make a stop 
look at the Rams, like they didn't, they weren't able to stop the run in that last drive. You know, when they were that drive was started at the four yard line, and the Patriots just drove it down all the way to the, uh, uh, the field, got into field goal range, and essentially put the game out of reach. Rams got the ball back, and it was pretty, it was over by then. So you have to be able to stop the run um, when you have to be able to stop it, like in that type of situation. Uh, linebackers that can do that, but you need those guys, but you also need guys that can cover. Um, Jordan Hicks is the type of guy that, like, I would love to have as, as you know, the, for the Browns because he's fantastic as a, as a pass coverage guy, and he's good enough as a run defender, and he's a guy that you can trust out there to 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 roam the middle of the field. So um, he's a guy that you know, in 2017 he got hurt, and so his grade was down in that year. But uh, you look at 2016 and 2018. Both grades above 80 had an 88.3 in 2016, 80.7 coming off the injury this year. Uh, I can only imagine it's gonna, you know, he stays healthy. It's gonna be north, north of that even more so. Uh, another guy that you you could spend money on too would be C.J. Mosley. His grade hasn't hasn't been nearly as good as his, um, uh, but he can he can do it uh, as a pass rusher too. So there's that. And then you look at the draft. It, it's tough to say, you know, if Devin White would be there, but if he's there at 17, that would be very hard to pass up because um, he is a dynamic player in that regard. And um, so there's a lot they could do, and I think what you need you need to be able to upgrade from what they have now. I, I love Schobert. He's a guy that's yeah. And here's another thing too. So in Greg Williams' system, like linebackers have like traditionally never played well in that system because it puts them out of position, and and it's just not in my opinion, not coached very well. So if you look at what um, Steve Wilkes was able to do in, in Carolina, he he those linebackers played well. Obviously, you have Luke Keekley there, and that kind of helps. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I think he puts, you know, he, he's going to put the players in a better position. So it's really kind of tough to say exactly how much, you know, Collins and Kirksey could improve in this system. But um, I think, they obviously need to be better, and, and if you're, if I were to move on from one of those guys, it would be moving on from Kirksey because Kirksey really hasn't, like in the grade wise, he's just been bad. He had a couple of years as a like a as a role player where he was good in coverage, but he's never been a good run defender really, and and have, ever since the first two years, he's not been, you know, he hasn't graded positively in like in any regard. So uh, Collins at least shows that if you utilize him properly, like he was in New England. Uh, you look utilize him as an as a blitzer and, and a gap you know, stunts and stuff like that. He can be very effective, and you also look at how he was as a zone defender and a man defender. Um, you know, if you match him up and in, in more so in man uh, and taking away those crosses and stuff like that, that's where he he thrives at. So, I think I think Collins is just the better player. And if so, if the the problem is then though is salary wise that doesn't yep. make sense. It just doesn't. Do, so like. If you're going to cut somebody salary-wise, it makes sense to cut Collins because his dead cap is like nothing compared to like Kirksey's, which is like eight million or something like that. So, uh, it's it's a situation that I don't like. At well, all. and the, and the only thing is, and you know, I took a lot for this is the only decent game Kirksey had versus was versus Tampa, where he filled in for an injured Joe Schobert. And the other thing was is he was playing a position that you're pretty good at. Um, they're not looking for anybody to replace Joe Schobert. And a lot of that may have been aided by the fact that he had an interception and recovered a fumble. So, you know, Christian Kirksey had a very, very down year. And it is, it, it's tough because he's a very likable guy. And there's finances involved here. Look, I mean, if you went to Jamie Collins and said, 
can we work this out here where you're not making this much amount of money anymore and maybe extend it or whatever? That may work out because, yes, Jamie Collins is the better player. And there were times where Jamie Collins was just, wow. I mean, I, I go to the Denver Saturday night game and Jamie Collins, I don't know what he ate that day, what he drank before the game. But that should be a steady diet. Maybe, maybe look, maybe it's a guy who just like prefers night games. Who knows? I mean, well, if he came from New England, maybe he was used to night games. So who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, in a in a perfect world, you know, you you almost wish the contracts were flipped. Yeah. And you'd say, all right, well, we'll keep Jamie Collins around, and you can move on from Kirksey. But I mean, it is what it is. But either way, something's going to have to be done at that linebacker position. Guys, locked on Browns with uh, John Costco here. The Locked On NFL Podcast. My buddy Matt Williamson does a fantastic job over there, guys. Um, if you're not subscribed, you get you know obviously your daily shows, but it's more straight NFL content. It'll be a uh, you know big advantage through uh, you know as we lead up to the combine, get through free agency and trades, the draft, all that stuff. Matt always does a fantastic job. So go ahead if you're not subscribed. The Locked On NFL Podcast with Matt Williams. Get that into the rotation. Now, John, what exactly do you guys all have in store for us, pro football focus wise, as and we move on. Actually, we'll here. We'll ask you this. Kyler Murray. This is right now the enigma. I mean, I mean, and look, he's going to go to the combine. And, and my thing is, is what I saw of Kyler Murray, in essence, one season, is where I want to see more on the football field. Um, where he got drafted in baseball. And look, everybody, oh, well, the, in baseball. And the, I don't know if you guys truly understand the true scenario of how it works with pro baseball and, and the fact that he got drafted after only hitting 295, didn't play much the year before, didn't do very well when he did play, I, I don't know, I mean, if he was an uber prospect, you know, and he said, oh, well, you know, he could be a Mike Trout type of baseball player, that's one thing. Um, with anything now, and we did this last year with Baker, oh, is the size a concern? Yes, Murray's smaller. I understand. Is the size a concern? And you know, Murray's smaller, he's shorter, he weighs less. But you know, the player, and you know, I mean, and go from the grades here. I mean, it, it, if you were Kyler Murray, based on what you guys do at Pro Football Focus, should he be looking to play in the NFL? Yeah, he should. Yes, he should. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 interesting because like, obviously, he screams like. So like last year, people were like, "Well, Baker's a complete outlier because of his his size, blah blah blah, and his system comes from like." Well, no, Kyler's now the outlier, like. He's the complete. Will it work with five foot nine and a half? Exactly. Exactly. And so, and here's the thing. So, he's that Oklahoma offense has six foot six plus offensive linemen that he was still throwing around. So it's not well, like because that's exactly because that's the one thing they're saying. And I'm like, we just did this. And it doesn't matter if they're six foot six. If you're five nine or six feet, you're significantly shorter than the guys in front of you. It doesn't matter if it's six inches or seven and a half. And right, you're not looking over the <laughs> tops of their helmets. No. You're you're looking between their helmets and between them, and at looking at passing lanes and stuff like that. So you're not like looking through these players essentially. But um, and also they're never standing straight up too. But right, like having being taller obviously can help with vision lanes and stuff like that. But still, like it doesn't help his, with mechanics though. No, exactly, and and he. If you anybody watches him play, like he has a heck of an arm. Like you, if you watch that national or not wasn't the national title game, but it was the the playoff game. Yeah, where he was like fifty yards on a on a rope on the run, where he just flicked it with his wrist. He's got a baseball player's arm. There's no doubt about right. it. Right. So like you're talking about like, I mean like a Michael Vick type player. Like that's 
what the type of quickness and stuff like he has. I almost think though it's Mahomes. This I almost go a little bit more Mahomes. Obviously, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is bigger, but you see the baseball arm. There so, is legitimate NFL velocity and depth to these throws. It re- there really are is, and he's got the accuracy. And he's so like he has the the moves and the quickness of Vic, and he's got like the 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 smaller the like the version of Mahomes in terms of his arm talent. Like right, he can move, he can throw from any platform and stuff like that. I'm never like Mahomes has it on a different level than anybody, but Kyler's like like his his arm talent is like on that like trajectory, right? So like um, it, he has all these, and then you talk about like he still has the, the the grades in our system, which you know his match is like his his it matched what Baker had as a as a senior, you know, the overall grade. Baker's p- passing grade was a, was better, a little bit better than Kyler's, but. Uh, you combine the rushing, it was it was the same, and so it's he is. Uh, I mean, he's going to be. It's going to be a very interesting case study, right? But uh, he should give a he should be given a shot because of uh, he clearly has the talent and the ability, uh, the accuracy. Um, now now it comes down to like the work ethic and everything else that comes with it, right? But um, you know, I think I think he has a place in the NFL, even if it's not as a, as the quarterback. But like, he can with the ball in his hands, he's a very dangerous player. So, well, and and the other thing, part of it for me though is is if he sticks around ten to twelve years in the NFL, and you look at guys like Chase Daniel and what they're making now, the potential's there. He's a Heisman Trophy, so the endorsements will always be there. You know. He plays 10 to 12 years in the NFL, and even if he doesn't become an elite quarterback, he, he, the guy should make north of $50 million. I, I just don't see how it doesn't work out because yeah. he should be able to stick around. And so, I mean, and look, I think he needs a football influence in part of his, his team, which is tough because he's with Boris. And, you know, you know, obviously Boris is, you know, as much as he's always going to say he's looking out for a client, Scott Boris is looking out for Scott Boris. But to think that this guy isn't capable of playing in this league, I mean, right now I'd say it's foolish. And, you know, he, he goes to the combine, and I'll tell you right now, if anybody, if you guys all spent your time watching the Senior Bowl, don't tell me Kyler Murray should be playing baseball. Don't tell me for a second. I, I, I just can't see it. And here's the thing, too. He, so he can play football, make his money there, and if it doesn't work out, like, Baseball players have a long career, anyways, and so he can. Tim still... Tebow's still kicking around. He's going to be in the Mets. He's going to be in spring training with the Mets. And, he, and he's obviously making his money like outside of his baseball stuff, anyways. So, like he he has a, you know, he's a figurehead or doing whatever he does. So he's Tim right. Tebow. He'll be fine in life. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like I think if Kyler Murray plays his cards right, like he obviously the interviews he had with Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen were odd because like he's not he's like technically not allowed to say anything because he's like in a I guess some type of battle with the major leagues and blah blah blah. So like those are weird, but like if he plays his cards right, you know, he can basically if Obviously, you want to have him be a great football player, right? If that doesn't work out, if he still plays his cards right, he can still carry on his like fame to bigger, you know, other things that's going to make him successful in life. I think part of it, and you know, and this may be you know the strategy in me. And look, his dad's involved, and everybody's trying to throw out the Levar Ball thing. I don't think it's that. I just think that maybe they feel there's only a few NFL teams that he would be a good fit with. 
And you know, there's going to be teams that are just going to say, no, I'm not drafting a five foot nine and a half quarterback. And that's fine. But I think they're trying to weed through where the best spot for Kyler Murray is. And with the continuous, the continual amount of, you know, whether it's, you know, the air raid and this type of stuff and the influence in the NFL, there's teams where he, he's, there's a really good fit for him. And maybe that's part of keeping baseball in the picture here of just saying, well, look, we want to scare off X, Y, and Z, but we still want to let A, B, and C know, hey, we're seriously interested here. And that's something he can't do sitting on a chair talking to Dan Patrick, talking to Rich Eisen. And it's, so it's just a tough spot for him to be in. But look, the guy's a football player. I mean, it's great that he can play baseball too. The guy's a quarterback, and there's no doubt in my mind he's an NFL quarterback. But John, PFF-wise, what are you know what are the readers? What are we looking forward here between? I guess right now it'd be between now and April. Yeah, so we're constantly putting out stuff with the with the draft, and and obviously free agency is kind of like the big thing before the draft. So you guys are doing AAF, aren't you? Yes, we are. I love it. I love it. You breaking down film in the middle of February, trying to play out player grades. Uh, so we're doing we're doing the AAF, and we're doing giving it the full NFL treatment. So on top of just the, you know, the first run stuff, we're doing all the the QB charting, the all blocking stuff that we do. The enjoy all the, Christian Hackenberg, my friend. Oh my gosh, it's gonna be glorious to be giving him <laughs> twenty grade in this thing. So like we they had some practice games or like their their quote unquote preseason games, and so we've already done a few of those and. <coughs> Oh man, so it's it's going to be a very interesting league. There's some interesting um, rule changes with it. So like, yep. like they're they're doing stuff like to protect like the offensive line and stuff like that because they know how bad they are. But they, no, I mean, but what you're, I mean so, look, you've got what you got. I mean, we're, you're not going to go find anybody else now. So you got to make sure these guys can play. Right, and so like I, I love I love that there's this this league, right? And there's obviously going to be the XFL next year, and you know who knows how that's going to play out to competing with this league but i think this having these you know quote-unquote developmental leagues are great for the nfl just because you know obviously we know that hackenberg and mettenberger are are bad they're not they're not viable nfl quarterbacks but you've got guys like logan woodside you know playing with the san antonio commanders who was just you know he was just in college last year and now he's going to be getting a shot you know to play at a higher level, which is then college, and you're still going to get very good players in this league that, you know, comp, you know, I don't know if like the, you know, Orlando Apollos could be Alabama. I have no idea. We, we'll look at these teams and see, but they're at least older and they're playing, you know, they're going to be coached more like in an NFL style because they're former, and a lot of them are former NFL coaches and stuff like that. But um, a guy like Logan Woodside could really benefit from this type of a league because he was a guy that played well in college out of, you know Toledo. A lot of people in, in Ohio would know this guy, um, but wasn't really given a shot as a as a rookie in the NFL. Um, getting playing time would be very beneficial for him. And and pretend, you know you look at Kurt Warner. He's a guy that was in NFL Europe, and he got his experience there. And when he came to NFL, lit it up for a couple of years and had some you know obviously ups and downs. And he's a Hall of Famer. So um, I, I just think this. The, only good things can really come about this, and if it folds, it would be, you know, obviously it's because of the no, nobody's watching it. But I think it's, I, I like it, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna be at the forefront of of grading all these guys and and really giving really some good content with this, along with the draft and the free agency and 
everything else that we do. We're going to have a, uh, a free agency guide coming out soon, and then there's going to be a, a, a draft guide, which is going to have everything, all the breakdown on every single player with all the all, you know the stats and the signature stats that you can get that with the NFL, you'll get it for the college guys, and we have our QB charting that we do with that. So the accuracy stats that if anybody saw our QB annual, did you take a look at the QB annual? I don't know. If, I can't remember if we talked about that. We mentioned it. I, I'm literally only like halfway through it. It is. It is. It's, it is. A, it, it's a monster. There is so much info yeah. in there. It's it's glorious. It's really it's, it, it, no. It is. It's absolutely it's 300, okay. 300 plus pages on like anything you want to know about a quarterback. And it's in there, and it's yeah. So like that's that type of stuff is going to be in the draft guide for the college, you know, quarterbacks, and um, yeah. So it, it lots of stuff coming down the the pipeline. Never uh, a dull moment. Never a dull moment, and uh, we'll and have... for me, and for me, the and, and part of it is look, it's still football in February, but the part of it is it's going to be the cool thing. And like I remember this going back to me, and a kid was. You know, with with going through and watching the NFL with a couple strikes is a couple of guys that you know showed enough in the AAF. And hey, you got your opportunity to go north. You got your opportunity to go to you know the big league. And there's going to be some of those stories. And because look, I mean, these guys have done everything else. They've done everything that every superstar in the NFL has done, but somehow the numbers didn't work out. Whatever it was, but now they may get a chance where you know they can. Do enough here, get show enough, and uh, you know NFL people are going to be watching, and get themselves to get them, you know, to the true dream of what they've been trying to do their entire lives, and that's the cool part about this, and that's what I'm looking forward to with it. Yeah, exactly, and and take everything out of it, PFF, all of it. You know, football players are football players, and everybody yeah, loves a good story. Exactly, the human beings trying to make a living, trying to to live out a dream, um, and you know. It, it's it's gonna be you know wh- whatever happens with it it's just it's just fantastic these guys can continue to get to play because a lot of times after college if you don't make it in the NFL it's, you're done you're done with football for life and I know how hard that is um, so it's just them getting to continue to do this and to to you know develop and get better um, is is only a good thing it really is yeah there's no doubt about it and look guys uh, what are you gonna watch uh, I tell you right now I can't name you three people who are gonna be in this NBA All Star game. Um, you know, every time somebody brings up hockey to me, I always say, oh my, oh my God, the strike's over. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, uh, baseball, look, I do enjoy baseball, but, uh, they're not playing meaningful games till the end of March. So I got no, nothing. So many games, like both, both NBA and as so I was talking about this with a friend the other day and the NBA, more than half the teams make the playoffs. Like what the heck is that? Yep. Like there's 30 teams in the NBA and 16 make the playoffs. So you got teams that just don't even deserve to be there. They're not even the top half of the league are making the playoffs. Like it doesn't. And then so then you have a. You well, have, and the other thing though is just like the, the star players. Ah, he's gonna sit out Tuesday night. Well, it's like it's <laughs> why like are a, you sitting out? You're like, why is he sitting out Tuesday night? Yeah, every Cavs fan understands that from the past four years. Like LeBron takes January's off because it's a long season, and he needs he needs to like at least refresh and kind of take a break, and he that's what he does, and then he picks it back up and and gets ready for the playoffs because he as a Cavs you know the, basically it was guaranteed to make it to the you know a two or one or two seed and then you get ready for the playoffs and make it to the, the uh, NBA finals and gear up for that and it's just obviously 
this year's and what I don't know what the heck's gonna happen in LA, but because I just I literally don't follow the NBA, but I just know that like you, you're talking about November to end of April is the, is the season, and then you've got May and all of June, and it might be still it's just too long of a of a season, and then you have an off season worth of like four months, and you're back at it again. Well, no, I mean, the NBA and everybody who follows it now, I mean, it'll even say, like, oh, I watch every night. But they're like, no, it's it's the playoffs. So you go watch 16 teams fight it out. It, it, you know, I mean, I mean, on Wednesday night, when, you know, the Golden State Warriors go on a road game and say, oh, well, you know, their top three players aren't going to play. Well, okay. Also, <laughs> also, who cares about the NBA? Because it's like once once the playoffs come around, it's like, well, the Warriors are going to win it. Well, I mean that that's the other thing. I mean it's it's like no team has a chance. Like none of them do. They really just don't. Like I, I know there's some type of drama going on with the Warriors this season. I've I've seen enough of that on my, on my timeline. Well, I know, but it's like the Kardashians. They're always gonna win, but there's drama going on as it goes on. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> All right, guys, John Costco. It's always a pleasure when we get together. And you know, hey, we brought you a little bit of everything. Yeah, snuck in a little NBA, some AAF uh, Kardashian reference. Um, we've got, you know, God, we went through, um, obviously the Super Bowl, the, the coaches press conference today, but, uh, always have a blast with John guys. Um, so check out all of John's work over at Pro Football Focus, obviously, you know, with the PFF, uh, Browns account as well, you know, uh, heavy on the Browns influence over there and look at PFF, look, they're never going to stop. If there's pro leagues, they're going to follow it. You know, heck they may show up and then, uh, next year do your Thanksgiving day game in the front yard. It could possibly happen. Uh, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, guys, always keep it followed back. You know that. So anything you want, anything you need, message me over there. Uh, you know, send me a tweet over there. Always looking for ideas to sneak into these shows here as we get through the off season. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, appreciate you for everything. Uh, we're getting you here through the off season. You guys are loving the shows. I'm loving putting them out here. We're gonna get closer and closer to the combine where we can start putting concrete information out. You know, and finishing off. You know, these draft reports on these guys and saying, yes, this guy's definitely in, this guy's definitely out, things of that nature. Uh, we still have free agency trades, all that stuff to look for. It's been it's been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, guys. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns. <laughs>